0: Good morning, I'm Matt Hoffman. It's Wednesday, March 30th. Where San Diego County is heading? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Contract negotiations are resuming today after thousands of grocery workers across Southern California voted to authorize a strike that includes 6,000 San Diego workers. So far, unions have not been able to make a deal with the owners of Ralph's, Fawn's, and Albertson's. The union argues proposed wage increases are not keeping up with the cost of living. Title 42 is up for another review today. That's the pandemic-era policy that allows border officers to quickly turn away asylum seekers on public health grounds. International law gives migrants the right to seek asylum and to have their cases heard. CDC officials have been reassessing the policy and so far renewing it every 60 days. But advocates argue there's no longer a public health justification. A second COVID booster dose is officially being recommended for older adults and the immunocompromised. The CDC says adults over 50 can get the additional booster shot four months after their previous one. Federal health officials say the second boost is especially important for those over 65 and those with underlying conditions. Dr. Christian Ramers is with Family Health Centers of San Diego. He says vaccine protection for those groups wanes faster
1: than most. For the general public who's gotten their two-shot series and then a booster, it's not really clear that another booster would really uh, offer too much additional protection. And that's why FDA didn't really make this as a blanket recommendation. It's really targeted on older individuals, as well as those that are immunocompromised.
0: In terms of first booster doses, San Diego County is lagging behind majority of the state, with 42% of residents eligible actually getting them. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news that you need. We have an update on the future of San Diego County. Last night, Supervisors Chair Nathan Fletcher gave the State of the County Address. KPBS reporter John Carroll says remarks focused on homelessness, housing, mental health, and public safety issues.
3: Supervisor Fletcher touted the county's high COVID vaccination rate, more than 93 percent. On the issue of homelessness, he lauded the creation of mobile crisis response teams. They have already helped more than 941 people, and the program is growing stronger by the day. Fletcher says 1,000 housing units are either being constructed on county-owned land or in the pipeline, but he called on every government agency to work together. Bring your surplus land and let's put together a package to master plan 10,000 units of affordable housing. The supervisor says the board will soon consider a $10 million investment to expand the child care workforce and facilities. He called on more families to come forward to foster children. He said the county would redouble its efforts to establish a permanent shelter for refugees. And Fletcher says the county stands to get $100 million out of a settlement with Purdue Pharma, which he promised will help fund a plan to deal with the county's worsening opioid problem. A new climate action plan is underway with the goal of reaching 100 percent renewable energy in the coming years and camping. Fletcher announced a new initiative to help families who've never camped before. Not only will we cover your admission into the park, but we will give you all of the gear, instruction and assistance any individual or family needs. Fletcher finished by calling on all of us to seek out our better angels to help advance the quality of life for everyone in the county. John Carroll, KPBS News.
0: Despite recent rainstorms, much of California remains under severe or extreme drought conditions. Governor Gavin Newsom has issued an executive order. It requires urban water agencies to go into level two drought restrictions. San Diego has been under level one for water conservation. Here's Jeff Stephenson with the San Diego County Water Authority. Level two typically means up to a 20% reduction in water use is what you're targeting. But there's lots of details that have to be worked out over the next two months. At level two, local water agencies can reduce the number of days that people can water their lawns. San Diego does fare better than majority of the state, according to the U.S. Drought Monitor. Our county is currently at a moderate drought level. The California Task Force on Reparations has finally answered one of the thorniest questions in this first-in-the-nation effort. Who will be eligible for reparations? KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim says the decision came after a long day of heated debate.
4: California's task force on reparations has been meeting since last summer to figure out how to address the continued harms of U.S. slavery, from giving black people direct payment to changing housing policies. But one question has always loomed large who exactly will be eligible for reparations? On one hand, you have those who say race should be central, making the majority of Black Californians eligible. And on the other, you have those that believe that reparations should be lineage-based and reserved for those that directly descended from U.S. chattel slavery. After hours of tense debate, the task force officially voted on wednesday in a five to four vote for a lineage-based approach Uh, the eyes have it and the
2: motion carries
4: chair camila moore read the approved motion
2: the community of eligibility
5: will be based on lineage determined by an individual being an african-american descendant of a chattel enslaved person or the descendant of a free black person
4: living in the united states prior to the end of the 19th century Secretary of State Shirley Weber, who authored the bill that made this task force, spoke in favor of the lineage approach earlier this year.
2: Reparation is for those who are the descendants of slaves first because of the devastation they suffered from hundreds of years of no wages
4: and no ability to own land and accrue wealth. San Diego City Council member Monica Montgomery-Stepp, who sits on the task force, previously told KBBS she agreed with Weber's interpretation.
6: We have to go with the spirit and intent and the letter of the law, which does call out special consideration for, pe- for people or descendants of those enslaved in the United States.
4: But task force member and civil rights lawyer Lisa Holder advocated for including all Black Californians with a special consideration for descendants of enslaved people in order to address prevailing anti-Blackness.
6: You must stop the racism. That is reparations. You do not use the term reparations if you are not prepared to do that. And the system that folks are advocating here, where we're going to splice things up and have this specificity where only one small slice of the Black population is being remediated, that will not abate the harm of racism.
4: Assemblymember Reggie Jones-Sawyer says it shouldn't matter where you come from.
3: Whether on a slave ship or a cruise ship, guess what? We're all in the same boat now. And so we've got to make recommendations that are sustainable.
4: The decision came after a heated day.
3: You were out of order by doing that, and that's what's complicating things.
4: At one point, Jones-Sawyer called out the board's chair, Camila Moore, for an unauthorized presentation. Do you have a comment on the- You're the chair, but
3: you're not the the dictator. You are the chair, you are supposed to guide.
4: In spite of the setbacks, many celebrated the task force decision.
2: Literally, I am still on cloud nine.
4: Including Tiffany Quarles, the co-chair of the National Assembly of American Slavery Descendants in Los Angeles, a grassroots group that's been working towards lineage-based reparations.
2: Black Americans who descend from U.S. slavery. We descend from the people who built the nation, who fought in every American conflict. And acknowledging us as the eligible class, you know, it acknowledges our role in the founding of the nation and our importance to
4: this nation. Speaking to KBBS ahead of the vote, Chair Camila Moore says the task force purpose is not to address all racism.
2: I didn't really see this task force as a
5: racial equity task force. You know, it's like, like I said, reparations for the institution of slavery. It's a specific political project.
4: Now that the task force has finally decided who is eligible for reparations, it can focus on the next big question on the agenda. What reparations will actually look like in California? Christina Kim, KPBS News.
0: Coming up, as humanitarian operations for Ukrainians are ramping up, advocates worry that Afghans who worked with the US are being forgotten. Their story just ahead. A long-overdue welcome home to veterans from Vietnam, KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado was at Miramar National Cemetery yesterday, where Vietnam veterans were honored.
6: Veterans and their families gathered at Miramar National Cemetery to commemorate the day set aside to honor their service, March 29th. It's the day, in 1973, the last combat troops left Vietnam. The praise, salutes, and honors of the ceremony are a sharp contrast to what some veterans, like Charles Mowry say they came home to almost 50 years ago. The toughest thing for me, which will never go away, is the unwelcome home. And people are still trying to understand everything Vietnam veterans went through, including Bobby Rodriguez, whose father served in Vietnam.
5: We weren't allowed to talk about it at all.
6: He only recently discovered some letters his father wrote during the war. He shared one with us.
5: Well, we made it, but we also lost 35% of our battalion. It was really hell.
6: Rodriguez says the letters were a real eye-opener.
5: I have more respect for him now.
6: And that's the hope, that commemorating this day will open the eyes of those who had no idea what Vietnam veterans went through. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News.
0: Newly-arrived Afghan immigrants are settling into their lives in San Diego, but thousands of others are still waiting in Afghanistan. Advocates worry as more attention turns to the unfolding humanitarian crisis in Ukraine, people who worked with the Americans for decades may be forgotten.
1: carry Karimi watches on his phone a recent news report out of Afghanistan. It shows a group of girls being turned away from the school.
2: that uh, we are also human beings.
1: He interprets the video for me.
2: We, we, we have, uh, yes, to education.
1: Five months ago, Karimi arrived in San Diego with his wife and two boys, part of a growing number of Afghan refugees. The world watches as the Russian invasion of Ukraine produces millions of refugees almost overnight. But Kerimi and other Afghan refugees are still focused on the plight of their country. Many are nervous that the U.S. will move on, leaving thousands of people who work with the Americans stranded. Some remain in hiding.
2: They uh, change their house, going from this house to another house, to hide them. And uh, this is a big concern. If uh, they are forgotten, something bad may happen to them.
1: Sean Van Diver is part of a coalition of mainly veterans groups trying to bring Afghans who work with the Americans to safety. Afghan EVAC has been working with the Biden administration, but Van Diver says the White House has said very little publicly in months. We're willing to bend over backwards to help Europeans
0: that we haven't served with in the, in, at the scale that we have with Afghans and that we've kind of taken our time on Afghans. Uh, folks with whom we served for 20 years, uh, folks who stood by us on the battlefield.
1: Afghanistan didn't come up during the president's State of the Union address. Van Diver was particularly frustrated after the Biden administration announced that the U.S. would allow 100,000 Ukrainian refugees into the country.
0: Nobody's saying that we shouldn't be helping Ukrainians. We all agree. What we're saying is that it would be nice if uh, folks who
3: didn't look like us got the same help as folks who looked like us.
1: Advocates are still waiting for the administration to get behind a permanent status for thousands of Afghans like Jawad Kerimi. He was given a temporary status called humanitarian parole. Naomi Steinberg with the refugee aid group HIAS says it doesn't fix their situation.
7: It's, it's
2: not a permanent status in any way. It is not an immigration status. It was very important in that it allowed a lot of people to get here very quickly, and obviously time was of the essence. But what has happened now is, is that they are here with no path to permanency.
1: Steinberg says the biggest problem isn't the shifting focus from one refugee crisis to another. She says the previous administration gutted the U.S.'s refugee resettlement program.
2: It's a lot easier to, to wreck a program than it is to rebuild. And so that's that's where we are now, slowly but surely building up. And extraordinary progress is being made, but it feels painfully slow for the individuals who are directly impacted.
1: Joved Visserat just received his green card, which will allow him to use his degree in computer programming in San Diego. He was beaten by the Taliban as he made his way to the Kabul airport with his family. This was just days before the last American flight left.
7: Uh, one of them had a one-meter pipe on their hand, and they were beating on my back and my foot. Yeah. We escaped from them, and somehow we entered to the airport.
1: He left behind two brothers who also worked with an American company. He says the Taliban has searched their homes looking for proof that they work with the US.
7: Our suggestion is that uh, for the American government is that uh, please help the people or for the family of those who were helping the uh, Afghan government that uh, and also the American uh, troops in Afghanistan.
1: Because for many Afghans time is running out. Steve Walsh, KPBS News.
0: After two years of restrictions and case surges, the pandemic has touched the lives of all San Diegans. Now, many people are turning back to a pre-pandemic lifestyle, but their stories about COVID will stay with them forever. In part two of our series, KPBS Midday Edition producer, Emlyn Mohebi, brings you the story of two San Diegans.
4: Students from kindergarten through college struggled with the transition to virtual classrooms. For one former San Diego State art student used to working with his hands, at first the computer screen was an unwelcome barrier.
7: My name is Christian Limon and I'm from San Isidro. As a San Diego State ceramics student, it was difficult to transition from going every day to do what I love in the studio to not having access to the studio after the pandemic hit. For us, we transitioned from playing and working with actual clay to practically not working with any clay or any materials because we couldn't finish the work. And the whole point of the program was to help you turn a ball of clay into a piece of art. So for us, most of the time we simply discussed ceramics theory, art theory, and uh, at first I was angry, but then I was relieved because we had Mary Kale, who is our uh, professor there at San Diego State. And while she wasn't able to provide us with the resources we needed to continue our work at home, she was at least that shoulder we could uh, lean on. And most days when we would tune into the Zoom call for ceramics, we would just talk. We would just check on each other and we would make sure that we were at least getting our feelings out and and hearing each other out because for a lot of us the pandemic caused us to not be able to do what we love. We loved being in the ceramic studio. We loved talking to each other and working with each other and we couldn't do that anymore. So what ended up happening was we ended up forming this different kind of bond virtually.
4: From the challenges of working from home to losing a job, San Diegan Scott Borgen says the early days of the pandemic were very stressful. But once they were back on track, he and his wife found a way to support local businesses while sharing their passion for craft beer and wine.
5: Around mid-March, my job had told me that I needed to work from home. And it's funny, I still have the email. It said, you know, we should all be back in the office in about two weeks, so expect to be back in the office by the end of March. And here we are two years later and now i'm permanently working from home and you know some people may have found that to be a blessing in disguise but um, i've always been a proponent of liking to separate work and home and so working from home was kind of difficult for me just being the fact that uh you know the walls start closing in on you you get cabin fever But also in addition to that, uh, my wife lost her job right away when the pandemic hit. So immediately as much as uh, we were blessed to not be sick um, or know anyone who was sick, uh, we had that stress of her losing her job uh, right away. We were only a year into our first mortgage. So we were first time condo owners and only a year in here she is having to find a new job already, so that was stressful. But then when she found her new job, she had to work weekends, which was something um, that was added stress after about a year and a half of living through you know, our different schedules and, and everything else that went along with being kind of locked down, she was able to find a different job uh, and got back to that Monday through Friday uh, work life. And that really helped with balancing out us being able to work uh, around the same time. And now that we have weekends back together, what can we do to leverage this, this benefit to make something positive out of this whole situation? So we really want to support our local businesses in San Diego. We really have a passion for craft beer and craft wine. And so it was pretty obvious what we needed to do, which was like, let's just make a hobby out of, and let's just, you know, I knew how to do a little bit of podcasting in terms of writing it, but I really had to teach myself the audio editing and all that, uh, you know, back behind the scenes that went with it. The podcast is called frequent flighters. It really helped, you know, bring positive light to, you know, a dire situation for both ourselves and the local craft culture in San Diego.
0: That story was produced by Emily Mohebi. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news on our website, kpbs.org. I'm Matt Hoffman. Thanks so much for being here with us. Have a great Wednesday, and we'll catch you here tomorrow.